at the top of my note, and it said, there's much here. And then I got a great big red pen that says, oh, so much here. And I want to look at the word temptation. We started this last week, and I want to keep this thing in our minds because in a minute I'm going to give you a Terry Ball illustration, and you need to grab a hold of it so you know where, what I'm doing for the rest of these, this message and next Sunday's message. When we think of temptation, it immediately has a negative connotation to it. Okay? Uh, Peresmos is the word, and in the original language, the word temptation is morally neutral. It doesn't have anything. It doesn't mean anything. Its context or the individual involved in it is what gives it whether a positive or a negative connotation. It literally means to try something, to prove something, uh, but its morality is neutral. There's nothing there. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. It's like the word lust. If you hear the word lust, you immediately think, ah, that's bad. Okay, but let me ask you a question. If you lust over Christ, is that bad? Okay, so the word in the Greek, whether it's lust or temptation, are both neutral. They don't have anything to do with whether it's a moral negative or moral positive the best illustration we looked at last week chapter 4 of matthew verse 1 said the holy spirit led the lord into the wilderness to what tempt him would the holy spirit take the incarnate god and try to make him sin no okay um and, and he did it to manifest the righteousness of christ to show it and primarily, it was to show it to Satan, but it also was to show it to you and I. You know, I've heard people say that God, that Jesus Christ was 100% God, 100% man. And then this hypothetical shows up. Could he have sinned? No. Because if he could have, he would have after that 40 days of fasting. And he couldn't. Not only that, 1 John says there is no darkness in him, meaning that there is no ability in him, whereas you and I are a little different than that. You know, you could look at you and I and say we are 100% man and everybody's afraid to say it, aren't we? <laughs> well, it depends on whether I'm spirit-filled. I feel like I'm about three-eighths a tank of God, so I'm, you know, three-eighths God and 100% man. No, you are 100% Man, and you are 100% the way I say it. <laughs> Deity. Please understand that word. Okay? Because if you look at Ephesians chapter 3, you are indwelt by who? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? So if you run into anybody who's multi-personality, they're probably a Christian. Okay, no, just kidding. All right, but I, I want you guys to grab a hold of this because you've got to understand the resources that are at your beckoning, basically. And please, it's not like some things you hear, all right? We went to James chapter 1, verse 13, and it says, God cannot be tempted. He cannot be swayed, enticed to evil. Okay? He can't be tested to a point where he commits evil. All right? And then James 1, 2 says, 
when you fall into various trials, what are you supposed to do? Be happy about it. When you fall into various temptations, same word, you are to count it all joy. We looked at last week that in Job, God literally will use Satan to test. Okay, If you use the, the, the secular Greek understanding of the term, it was to prove a metal. Okay, to prove the authenticity of a metal, whether it's gold, silver, bronze, copper, whatever, right? That's what it was used to, to, to delineate, the word was used to do, all right? Have you ever thought about that? Satan allowed by God to test your metal. If anybody's into that, go ahead. Start without me, all right? But God will do it. Why? He proved to Satan the righteousness of Job. Okay? But we also looked at James chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. An amazing text. And I want to jump to there really quickly. That the primary test is your flesh. Is your flesh. Okay? He says in verse 14, let no one say when he is tempted, this is verse 13, that I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt. But each one is tempted, okay, now it has a negative connotation when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Okay, his own lust is his flesh. Okay, you need to understand there's a process that happens there. This trial all of a sudden got carried away. And during the carrying away, it was what? Enticed. It kindled up something. It started a little fire. Where was that fire? In our own lust. All right? Please understand lust. Man is an amazing creature when it comes to lust. Did you know that? All right, most people or some people uh, who, let's say this group here, we're small enough today, I can be very specific. If you think of the word lust, it probably has a sexual connotation to it, right? And that's probably the one we'll jump to first is there's this lust. But you know, we lust over all kinds of silly things. And I say that, silly things. We can lust over a house, over a piece of property. We can lust over cars. Do you know we can even lust over animals, pets? Do you know that you can lust over your children? Do you know that your spouse can cause you to lust? And all of these I want you to understand are negatives. They're all negatives. Please understand this. What starts it? My flesh. You can lust over Krispy Kremes. You can. I don't. I mean, I had one and I thought, well, that was kind of cool. So then I went and had a really one right where it just comes right off the conveyor belt. So I was really lusting. I was hanging out at the place, circling the drive through But I said, I'm going to go in and get one. When it's really hot and when you hold it up, it goes bling and it drooped. And it's sort of a pain to try to eat. Kind of doing one of these things to eat it. And I mean, it was good, but I think if you got a Safeway nice warm donut, you'd have the same thing. And 
I thought, why am I driving all the way up here to get a donut? Okay. Um, so when it comes to lust, we can lust over anything. Okay. But then he says, verse 15, then when lust has conceived, okay, when lust conceives, it gives birth to sin. Okay. Then sin is accomplished. It brings forth death. Okay. This is written to believers. The death he's speaking of is not physical, though it can be. He's talking about a spiritual death. Okay. No, you're not losing your salvation. But your sensitivity to the Spirit of God and the ways of God, the wants of God, the desires of God just died. Okay? Because what happened? I had a test. And in that test, it enticed me. What did it entice me? It led me on a little adventure. A little adventure. It wasn't really that big a deal. And it gave in to lust. Lust played a game, played a wondrous game, and it was all in my head. I was thinking about it. I was pondering it. I was entertaining it. I thought, well, perhaps it wouldn't be that big a deal. And perhaps, you know, I'm trying to count it all joy. So I played the game. And as I played the game, it's, it's like when I hear a pastor said, you know, I just fell into sexual immorality. You don't just fall in. It ain't like you get out of bed and I fell into it. Okay? Sexual immorality takes a long process. And it is played. It is entertained. It is thought about. It is dwelled on. And you know what? I'm not even sure that there's times that people don't even pray about it. Okay? But you know, I take that with any lust. And then it gives forth to sin. When it brings forth sin, there's immediately, you have either quenched the spirit, I know you have at least grieved the spirit. Okay? So we see in James, I, I want to give you this one last verse, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Okay? Misled. Is the word that it means. It means to be guided off track. You're thinking you're doing something that is appropriate. And you just kind of wander down the road. And all of a sudden you realize that you are spiritually dead. Okay? But if you look at chapter 1, you will see that testing, what God has for testing has a mindset to it, has a plan to it, and it is only for your and I's mind completion, perfection, that you will be lacking what? Nothing. And then it gives you that one word, that phrase that you hear always bannered about. He who what? Lacks wisdom. Ask and it shall be given. See, we get ready to buy a house and we need to ask wisdom because what? That's not the text. The text says, if I'm in a trial, if I'm in a time of temptation, if I'm in a time of testing, of being proven, of seeing what my metal is, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. 
Big difference, isn't there? Um, you know, I know I want to go back through this because in James chapter 1, you can see the same word, good and bad. In chapter uh, 1 verse 2, it says, when you encounter various trials, testing, temptation. In verse 3, knowing that the temptation of your faith, the testing of your faith, the proving of your faith. Verse 4, uh, the the endurance that will result and you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All right, so it has good to it. But if you look at thir- verses 13 and 14, same word is used. And that one say he is tempted, tested, tried by God. That has the evil connotation to it. It says that God cannot be tempted by evil. There's the evil connotation to it. And he himself does not evil anyone he does not take a person to a solicitation of evil ever okay same word so when you look at this word in your studies of scripture understand the word gives the context of the word where it's used gives its meaning when it's tested by god when you are tempted by god i think king james always uses the word tempted if you're tempted by god is always a view towards holiness it's always a view towards righteousness to a completeness to strengthening this saint okay but if my flesh or lust of my flesh lust of the eyes lust of the flesh the pride of life come into the picture it has a view for ungodliness, unrighteousness, and it can even be Satan. We Last week we looked at 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that says, Prove yourself as Christians. Test yourself to see if you're saved. Test the metal. So when you see the word, don't freak out on it. Ask yourself what is the context. It's qualitative from its context. All right? Um, and it's easy really to figure out from... Who's doing the testing? And what is the purpose in that testing? Okay? If you go stick your uh, face in the fire and you wonder why you got burned, you can say, well, God tested me? No. All right? All right, now, think about it now. We're back in chapter 10, 1 Corinthians. The Corinthians were enjoying their freedom. Right? Right? We here in America are very free. We're allowed to do all kinds of things. We have our own time. We can do with our time. Uh, They had been freed from ceremonies, those uh, ceremonies of Judaism. But they'd also been freed from the customs of pagans. They'd been freed from the curse of the law. They'd been freed from death, both a spiritual death and a physical death. Um, They had been freed from the reign of sin, the rule, the dominion of sin in their lives. And you know what? These people were having a blast in their freedom, having fun. And they were taking their freedoms to the limits. But Romans 13 says, don't despise those who are weaker. Because, see, if you're out there having a blast in your freedom, you will run into those who are weaker. And they'll come up with all kinds of things and to call you. And you know what? Paul was thrilled that the Corinthians were understood their freedom, their liberty. He was thrilled that they were exercising their freedom and liberty. Uh, even, you know, they were defending. Um, 
And, you know, he told us, we looked at this a few weeks ago in Galatians chapter 5, don't give up your freedom in a way that deceives the gospel, that puts a false claim on the gospel. Okay? But Paul is warning you and I today that if we continually indulge our freedom, our liberty, because if you're all you're concerned about is your freedom... You, you just like running up to the edge. Verse 12 says, take heed, you who think you can stand. People ask me about church. Do you think that church, attendance in church, um, is necessary? Okay? And I'll tell them no. It's not. Okay? No. I mean, there's no law. I don't have to sit here and say, it says here in Book of Hesitations, chapter 11, that on Sunday morning you need to be in Sunday school, and Sunday morning you have to be in church, and then Sunday night and Monday night and whatever. That's not what it says. Okay? But I can tell you this. It does say, do not forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of some. Okay? I can also tell you this. How much time do you spend in the world and its influence? How much time do you spend with the people of God and in its influence? Okay? Because I tell you the truth, your life will mirror it. (laughs) Sorry. Okay? I myself... Now, this is personal. I want... This isn't verse and... Chapter, I personally am fearful out there. I don't like that place out there. All right? Let me give you an example. You're getting ready to go to work in the morning. Okay? You're running a little bit late. Maybe the phone rang. Something happened. You're running a little bit late. And, and you <clears throat> kind of get, you didn't get your little granola bar or whatever you do for breakfast. And, and you kind of got haggard around. Uh, some of you getting kids ready and things like that. And you go out and you jump in your car and you cruising up and you hit I-25 and all of a sudden traffic what's your response is it God glorifying what's your response what's your response when your spouse is ill what's your response when uh, things at work ain't going well and you've got that co-worker that you know is Satan incarnate Okay, I got news for you. Your children at times will be Satan incarnate. I've seen them. My children have been possessed by the devil. Okay. And yet, how much time do I have out in that scenario, that society, that culture, that influence? And how much time do I have in the influence of my King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Because, see, that's why when David talked about the Russians were praying for us because we have a greater spiritual battle. Okay? See, our battle is that Jesus Christ isn't necessary. He's helpful. He's with me. But is he Lord? Is he the focus of everything in my life? Okay? And that's where we struggle. So when I, people ask me about church and attendance and Bible studies and stuff like that, they say, do you have to? No, 
Because I know that when a person asks me that, they're, I know that person, and that person is saying, I study my Bible all the time, I pray all the time, and I'm in the Word all the time, and I am just prayed up, filled up, and flowing over. Is that really why we're asking the question? Okay. The body of Christ was given to be a representation of the fullness of Christ in this world. Okay. And God has supernaturally gifted men and given them as gifts to the church. What do we do with that gift? See the difference? So, if I look at this and I understand my freedoms, he says, I, you need to be real careful. Verse 12, take heed you don't fall. All right? Why? Because he's coming out of this and he says that Israel, these things happened to Israel and they're written for our instructions. Uh, and that, that word there, instruction, is a mind for something. Pay attention to something. Um, if you want to see Christendom today in America, all right, read the book of Judges. That's Christianity today in America. All right? And maybe even some of us here in this room. We are doing what is right in our own minds. I read my Bible. I did my prayer. I had my devotion. I had my, I read a psalm and a proverb and a whatever else that I do, my daily devotional reading type stuff. I did that thing. And we're all doing what is right in our own minds. I have my ministry. I do my thing. Okay, and he, if you'll read the book of Judges, you'll also see that it is horrific that God would bring judgment upon them on a consistent basis. They would all freak out, get into some kind of captivity, into a place that they couldn't get out of. And what was their response? Help me, God. God would reach out his hand to them. He would help them. And then they'd say, I can take it from here. That takes me to this text. God is faithful. Did you know what he's given us here is that you can be blessed of God. You can be part of a witnessing community and yet you can forfeit your usefulness to God. Did you know that? You can have all the things offered unto Christians and forfeit any ability to exercise them. Okay, now I want to make sure that you understand. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about usefulness. All right? Uh, we have rewards offered us. Um, if you've ever had the privilege of winning a person to Christ, you know the reward that I'm talking about. Now, listen, I'm not talking about this handing out a track. Some guy said a prayer. I'm talking about where you've seen the soul changed in that person. All right? I remember the first lady that I ever led to Christ. Um, <laughs> she was single. And, and we had a friendship. And I really literally mean it was just a friendship. And um, um, I had come under salvation and was trying to get a handle around it. And she was just really struggling. 
and I showed her Christ. Uh, she'd seen a change in my life, her comment was. I want to know what was going on. And um, <laughs> she asked Jesus to save her. I remember sitting, we were sitting at a, at a table. And she says, would Jesus save me? That was her question to me. I don't know. You ever ask him? I mean, I, this was a long time ago. And she asked Jesus right there to save him. I mean, it wasn't this say this prayer, the sinner's prayer. She, her, she was crying and said, Jesus, please save me. You know what? She's never stumbled ever again. She married a guy who had gotten saved in prison for murder. Uh, he got released from prison, and they have been ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ ever since. He gave him a child uh, who had uh, spinal meningitis, had lost its hear. The child had lost his hearing, her hearing, and uh, I remember seeing her with the little girl, and she says she is such a joy and such a gift from God. She says, you know what was so cool about it? She says, I found myself becoming self-reliant and he made this happen to my daughter and I realized that I couldn't be self-reliant and raise a handicapped child. I had to have God do it. And Bob just sat there, smiled real big. Bob Wyman's his name. He's, he smiled real big and he says, you ain't never seen Jesus do things like he's done in our home. And they've been that way now for 20, 27 years, walking faithfully with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay. But there's also the reward of strengthening saints. Do you know that reward? Have you ever experienced that? But here's what can happen to us. We can have the experience of leading people to Christ. We can have the experience of strengthening saints. And we've done our Bible studies and we have exegeted our texts and we've got our, our Greek dictionary. I can memorize my Greek dictionary. And, you know, and I got all this done. I've got my hermeneutics, my homiletics, my eschatology, ecclesiology, soteriology. And I got my, all of my ologies are all lined up. Life is good. And you know what you just did? Became overconfident. Become overconfident. I think about the Six-Day War. Okay, I don't, some of you will not remember that, but um, basically Israel was attacked from every direction. And one of the places they were attacked from was called the Golan Heights. All right? Uh, and the Golan Heights is just that. It's a great big, and it's above tree line. It's the Golan Heights is where the Israeli ski team practices. Okay? So they get snow. And I was there in March, and, and they had snow on it. I said, oh, man, there's snow in Israel. How bizarre is that? Then I got back to where my daughter was, and it snowed on us. So anyway, um, but the Golan Heights had all these cliffs, and what happened is Syria came in there, put all this artillery up on top of it, and literally could just drop shells in. And so as the Israeli military tried to come up to, to do something there, they just blast them. I mean, they could just literally take their cannon and shoot any given tank they wanted to shoot at and just were whooping the fire out of them. But here's what happened to the Syrians. They got confident. You can't get to us. You can't get to us. One night, Israel decided there is an agriculture. That's where you see a lot of great vineyards and all the rest of it. They do a lot of agriculture there. They took all these farmers, tractors, and bulldozers and literally started building a road to the top of the Golan Heights. Now, they couldn't build like a four-lane nice highway. They cut a path, and then they would take a tractor 
or an articulating tractor is what I'm talking about, or a bulldozer, and they would get behind the tank and push it up to the top of the Golan Heights. When the sun come up, the Syrians got up, and they were looking down here to see the Jews, and the Jews were all sitting right over there looking at them and literally blew them into Never Never Land. Why? We have the Golan Heights. You can't get to me. you got tanks. Nah, 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 blah, blah, blah. And they got overconfidence. And the Jews says, I'll build a road. I'm coming around. Sardis, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 3. They had a high place in Sardis that was invincible. Cyrus, the king, decided he was going to destroy Sardis. And Sardis said, you know what? You can't do it. And they all went to the Acropolis, which is the high place in the city. It's this great, massive stone pillar. The whole city just got up there. They had all the food and the water they're ever going to need, and we can hang out there. And Cyrus realized, there's no way I can get them people out of there. So he says, I will give 10 years' wages to any soldiers and figure out a way I can get these guys out of there, that I can defeat these people. One soldier one night in a full moon was watching it and wanting 10 years' wages. Okay, And he watched, and a soldier up on the wall of the city of Sardis dropped his helmet. And he's seen this helmet fall because of the moonlight. And he sat and waited. All of a sudden, he looked down. He had his eye on the helmet. All of a sudden, he looked down. A guy picked up the helmet and started back up. And he followed the guy back up, and he found the way into Sardis. The next day, that same that same officer led a small band of soldiers, Syrian soldiers into there, Persian soldiers into there, opened up the gate and Sardis fell. If you read that letter to the church of Sardis, you think you have it figured out. You think you're a fortress. He's playing on their history. Why? They were confident. You can be in the service of the Lord. You can be just like Israel, a witnessing community. You can have all the bells, all the whistles, a call to be a part of a witnessing community. And you can be just like the Corinthians. You could even be in Castle Rock Baptist Church. But if you think you're secure, that's when you are the most vulnerable. That's when you're the most When you've got to figure it out. When I look at it this way, when I stop leaning on the Lord... I'm in trouble. When you stand on your own resources, B.B. Warfield said it this way, do we maintain the invisible means of support? (laughs) Unquote. Stay immersed in the power source. Okay, now then, I'm going to give you, I've got dealing with the word temptation and I've showed you that it's neutral. From here on out, I'm going to use the word test. That will be a good thing. And I will use the word temptation. And that will be a bad thing. Okay? I'm talking about the same scenario. I will be in a test that can lead to a bad thing. I can be in a test and it can lead to a good thing. Okay? How do we keep, how do we prevent ourselves from being Tempted. Okay, see how I'm using it as a bad thing? How can I know that I'm going to be tested by God? How can I know and keep it from being a temptation? How can I know this test and keep that test from becoming a temptation? Okay, this text is an encouragement. There is no test has overtaken you. 
that is, com- that is not common to man. All right? There should be a comfort in this. Why? Here's part of my comfort. Here's the way my goofy mind thinks. If I fall into sin, I can't blame my circumstances. And I can't blame God. Why? Because it says here, God will provide the way of escape. So circumstances can't be blamed for it. Okay? So I keep this in mind. I'm exercising my liberty, and there are tests, even in the exercising of your liberty. But if I get into that exercise, am I really aware that God will provide a way out? Because if he provides a way out, then if I fall, whose fault is it? Yours, mine. Okay, this testing, which has this possibility of a temptation in it, is always, 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 never exception to, it is always external circumstances. Circumstances outside of you. Okay? And you will fall into these Sometimes, moment by moment, (laughs) you always fall in these tests. God will literally bring external circumstances in your life as tests. External circumstances. And James 1-2 says, be joyful about it. Count it all joy when you fall into various tests. Okay? What are they? What are tests? How can I be tested? How will I know God is strengthening me? Have you ever had any financial shortages? Too much month month and not enough money? Um, Have you ever had unexpected medical bills, dentist bills? (laughs) I had that one that a lot of us don't think about. Okay? Just experienced it this week. Taxes. Huh? Huh? Go see the accountant and I've decided I'll give up my citizenship. I would like to be a citizen of the moon (laughs) because I hear they have a good tax base. All right. Um, Here's a test. Anybody ever had car problems? Just when I started owning them. (laughs) Other than that, here's one that some of us have been aware of. Children. Huh? Children ever test you? Okay. Makes you wonder about the idiot in the book of Psalms. A quiverful? (laughs) I have a quiverful of tests. (laughs) Or temptations. Okay. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? They're all external. Take what Jesus endured in the three temptations in the wilderness. How many of them were internal? None of them. Food? Right? Testing God? Worshipping? You can lead all the things of the world. You have all the kingdoms of the world if you worship me. Okay? Here's one that I, th- I bet that we don't really look of as a test. How about plans? Have you ever made plans that would involve people... Places, time, kids, adults, teenagers. 
And all of a sudden, the plans, we call it, go awry. It's external. And God will allow them. Financial shortages, book of Job. Plans off course, book of Job. Health problems, book of Job. How about diseases, sicknesses? Huh? That change your plans, don't they? I planned on doing this and all of a sudden, boom, got this. You know what else can change your plans? Death. Did you know death can change your plans? And it don't necessarily have to be your death. You know, somebody else can die. Well, that was inconvenient. Huh? Things happen, right? Things happen. You can think it out. You can plan it. You've got it all understood. You know, I've been looking at my last year. Hey, I had it all planned out. It was all laid out. It was literally... Uh, last month, a year ago, we had, were having it all planned out. My wife had sat down and planned it out. I had met with the elders. The elders said, you know what? We think that you have been teaching and pouring yourself out that you need to take about three and a half or four months sabbatical. Okay? We're going to pay you, and we just we don't want you to do anything. We don't want you to be, you know, pouring yourself into the book and stuff like that. You know, get your Olford stuff done. Do this stuff. Do whatever you want to do, and just have at it. January last year. And it was planned. It was on the table. And there's no answer for what happened. (laughs) Other than it was a test. It was a test. Have you ever been maligned? Have you ever been accused? Have you ever been mocked? Anybody ever been murmured against? How about made fun of? You ever been picked on? Hey, has anybody ever challenged you on your faith? Guess what? They're all external, ain't they? Have you ever been persecuted for your faith? Guess what? External. Maybe you find yourself in a place where people are always sinning. Maybe your workplace. Guess what? external so when you really think about it when do the tests stop (laughs) that would be the question the tests are always there you know i think about joseph in the house of potiphar right and we think about potiphar's wife and that little problem and he will run do you understand that joseph was in a test that whole time just living in the egyptian society Okay. Actually, if you really think about it, being thrown in jail was easement for the test that he'd already been in. Living in that culture, that society. Okay, He was living in a pagan house. Worshipped false gods. Had immorality as rampant in the Egyptian culture. When you take, now listen here, when you take an external test, this that is happening out here, and you internalize it, it will start moving to temptation. Okay, remember what I said, Terry's definition. Test is the positive side. Temptation is the negative side. That's what I call playing with it in your head. I showed you the text in in, in James 1. Okay? It gives forth to... It gets... the, The test gives 
way to what? Lust. Okay? Let me tell you about that transition. It is always harmless. Always harmless. It always moves from the test to the temptation. Very easy transition. Very smoothly. Very harmless. Very at ease. Why? Where's the war at? It's up here, and you're convinced that God is doing this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and this this is how this is going to work out. It's no different than, listen, last year we sat down and said, you know what? You've been faithful. You have poured yourself out. We're going to give you a sabbatical, and we're going to do this. I literally started making some plans. I was going to assist some people in building of homes. I was going to finish up my paperwork for Olford. And literally, Stephen Olford was still alive. And I was going to go be with Dr. Olford in May last year before his death. And I would have Stephen Olford there to give me my diploma on something that I would have gotten done. I was going to go to Israel in March, which I did. And I thought, then I'm going to just come back. I'm going to kick back. And then the sabbatical is going to take off. And life is going to be good. And I'm going to be rewarded. I'm going to take an ease. And I'm going to be in that Sabbath rest. And I'm going to just swing a hammer a while. But I don't have to do it a while. And this is going to be so cool. Then I heard that flushing sound. All my plans... We're circling and left. Guess what I did? I took him to internalization. Okay, but I want to share with you this. When it moves from the test to the internalizing to a temptation, okay, it's still not sin. Lust must do what? Conceive. And it gives birth to what? Sin. It's like the financial shortage. Just look at it. It just didn't work. All the plans you had. How many times we've refinanced your homes. And you say, this is what I'm going to do with this money, money, money. And all of a sudden, it's all gone. You sit there and then the next thing you know, you're in debt again back where you were. And you think, what the heck happened? Huh? And I don't know if anybody's ever fell into that one. Okay, but have you ever looked at financial shortage from this perspective? Lord, this is a great and wondrous time for you to reveal yourself. Help? Help? Or do I say, Lord, I'm going to be a good steward of what you've given us. So when it comes to my IRS man, I'm going to have a few more deductions than I normally have because they're in the gray area. Okay, or I've got, we've got this new one out now that we can really help the Lord with our financial shortages, right? New credit cards at lower rates for five years or whatever. You know, I got this credit card over here is at 18%, and this guy says, if I write this little check that he, just, he sent it to me, this has got to be God's provision, huh? Send this little check and then transfer that balance to this credit card at 2.9%, and you don't have to make that and all that other stuff, huh? Why? Well, it's obvious that the Lord is doing something here. Now you've got a test that's moving toward temptation. Okay? You're leaving it external. Who's going to take care of it? The Lord is. Okay? If I internalize it, I start a fire. I kindle my lust. 
Okay, how about setbacks in your plans? You know, use that illustration of what I've been through in the last year. Oh, Lord, how glorious. You're going to change my plans. Hallelujah. What do you have for me in this change? Or do you go this way? Why, Lord? Why does it have to be my plans that always get changed? Okay, well, you know what you just did? You took the external, you internalized it, and you allow it to become a solicitation to evil. Okay, now you start moving toward the negative. The difference between a test and a temptation in Scripture, one is external opportunity for you to grow, but it can easily become an internal solicitation to sin. Okay, how do you respond to the trial to the test? Or does it go to evil? Okay, listen, if, it come, if a test becomes a temptation, it isn't sin yet. Remember what he said. The tempting, the testing leads to lust. When lust is enticed, it conceives, gives force to sin. So you can move from the testing to a lustful situation and still not commit sin. But you can't go on, uh, you can't go from a trial to sin without going through temptation. You play the game. You play with it in your head. You understand what I'm saying? It is a test. The Lord has brought it. It is there. It is in front of me. It is to test my mettle. I lean full weight upon the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I lean on his understanding, not on my own understanding. I trust him in all of my ways. Just think about it. The things that you know about God that are true, do I lean there? Or do I take that test and say, but if I do this and this and this and what would you just do? Instead of the external resource of God, you took the internal resource of you. You know what's cool is if you can hang in there on a trial, even if it's moved into a temptation and you don't let it go any farther, you're a lot better off. (laughs) Sorry, you are. God will bring a test. He'll never bring a temptation. God will bring external circumstances. He will literally bring pressure upon us. And it is there to stretch us, to stretch our spiritual muscle. Because God wants you to grow by it. But if you internalize it. The text out of James, I mean, how important is this? Let no one say, listen listen to what he says here. Verse 12 of James 1 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, testing, tempting. For once he has been what? Approved, it says in the New American Standard. Um, It literally means um, passing of the test. Once the metal is proved, he says, you will receive a crown of life. Okay? Let no one say he's tempted by God. Or I'm being tempted by God. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And each one is tempted when he's carried away or enticed by his own flesh. His own lust. That's your flesh. 
And lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin ha- when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Okay? If I'm in a test, I start playing with it in my head, there's still time to let that process stop. There's still time to back up and let it be a time of spiritual growth. Let let me give you a a perfect illustration of this. Paul told Timothy, okay, his last letter. He says, Timothy, flee youthful temptations. No, he doesn't say flee youthful testings. But he does say flee youthful lusts. Why? Lust gives birth to sin. Testing can give birth, can lead to a lust. But if I check it, stop it there, guess what? I will grow by it. Okay, so I'm going to use Linsky's understanding. Lust is the key that unlocks sin. Got that? Lust is the key that unlocks sin. You can be tested. You can literally take the test to a temptation. But if you don't allow the lust to unlock the sin, you're still all right. You're still going to grow by it. Which takes me to this text. A text that always befuddled me. Okay, how many of you were here when I taught the Gospel of Matthew? My wife, <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> and Karen. There's Karen. All right, I don't remember, and I'm afraid to go back to see what I taught on this text. Because I'll tell you honestly, this text has always bothered me. It's Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 13. You all know this text. Do not lead us into temptations. Oh! Wait a minute. Okay? God tempts no man, nor can be tempted, right? If I have to ask God not to lead me into a temptation, then I must assume He will if I don't ask. Any other way you read it? Okay? Well, I know God won't take me to the negative. And it says then, I don't want you to even take me to the test. Is that what I'm saying? But he says in James, count it all joy when you fall into various tests. Well, God, make up your mind. Okay? Let me show you how this thing works. Keep in mind that text out of James. If I'm going to go into this test to make me stronger, then why ask him not to? Okay? That's not, what Paul, that's not what Jesus is teaching you and I how to pray. That's what he's showing here. Let me show you what he's teaching. He's saying, Lord, stop me at the point where my trial is still a trial. Okay? Don't let it become... A temptation. I can't handle it. Did you get that? See that? Lead me not where? Into temptation. The trials will come. He's promises. 
All right? He has to. He will prove your mettle. Okay? It's like Islam. Did you know Islam, the practices, the, the people who practice Islam never know if they're saved? Did you know that? How horrible is that? I've done a bunch of do's, I've done a bunch of don'ts, and when I see Allah, He may accept me, He may not. They never know whether they're saved or not. But do you know what, Christian? God will test you to prove you're His. You're His. But he also says, pray that, Lord, you don't allow my test to the point that it becomes a temptation. What did I say? You always want to make sure it's external and you don't want it to come where? Internal. When you internalize things, where is your power source? When you start thinking about it, when you start weighing the pros and cons, the hows and how nots, where's your power source? It's you. Guess who gets the glory if you're successful? This says, if I'm in a a test, Lord, help me in this test. Where's my power source? It's external. Who gets the glory? Lord does. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you right up to bat, all right? How many deal with tests in this order? Financial. Use me. Use my illustration. A year ago, I had a plan. Had it all worked out. Knew exactly how it was going to be. It's going to be wonderful. I'll be able to do some fishing, hang some time with my wife, do it with the kids. I'll be able to do whatever I want. Okay? Guess what? God said no. You know what my first response was? What's wrong? What did I do wrong? What did they do wrong? Who did what wrong here? And how can I fix it? Why? Because I want my sabbatical. Because, see, this sabbatical idea wasn't mine. Somebody else came up with this idea, so it had to have been of God. Because my, I didn't selfishly say, I need some time off. You know what my Lord showed me? Talk to me. And I will not allow this test, which is moving to temptation, to go any farther. You know what I did? Talk to him. Guess what? It backed up. It's just a test. Now, it was a very long test, and there's a part of me very fearful even now I'm not out of it. (laughs) But it was a test over a year. Okay, and it had multi-pages to it. Okay? How many in this room, when you have a test, say, Lord, don't let this become a temptation. Lord, stop me at the point my trial is still a test. I don't want it to be turned into a temptation. I don't want it to be the temptation towards sin. I don't want it to become to lust. I don't Listen, if you don't believe that that's what this text says, look what it says right after that. 
Deliver me, deliver us from what? To Panaru. To Panaru. Deliver us from... Okay, that's what your text says. To Panaru does it that. It literally means the evil one. Don't let Satan get a foothold. Satan has three plays. He runs against saints. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's the only three plays he has. Okay? And Jesus is saying when you pray, pray this way. Don't let this temptation become a foothold for Satan. That he will overwhelm me, that he will bind me, that he will wipe me out. I'm praying for God's intervention. I'm praying for external help. I'm in a test and I'm leaning on you because, Lord, I am flat out defenseless. This is out of my league. It's out of my abilities. It's out of my energy sources. It's out of my uh, anything that I could ever grab. I want you to make sure this thing doesn't become a temptation to evil that will overwhelm me. And that's his prayer. Whether the flesh is activated, as James says, or whether Satan is at work, the temptation in a negative sense to stop it is the work of God. God allows the test, but it says in Corinthians that he does what? Provides a way out. Jesus gives it to you all the way back in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from Tuponeros, from the evil one. Deliver us. God allows the test to strengthen us. Temptation, bad, when the test gets twisted into an internalization to solicit sin. And that can be by Satan, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All of which are where? Lust of the pride of life. Where does that start? Internal. Lust of the eyes. Where does that start? Internal. Lust, pride of life. Or what's the other one? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Yeah, lust of the flesh. Where's that? It's all internal. If I internalize it, guess what? I'm defeated. But if I go to my external, it's a test. It is external in its attempt. What it's going to do is to prove my mettle. And if I'm in a test that God has provided, then he says he is faithful and he will what? Provide a way of escape that you may be able to handle it. That you will not be crushed. That you will not be broken. You will not be found useless. Temptation. The idea for a Christian, keep your test as test. Simple. I want to conclude with an illustration that I heard. And uh, it's just a situation. A person got hired in a very lucrative position in a, in a um, corporation. And one night he was working late. And uh, he was just kind of, you know, uh, his big corporate office, and he was working a little late. And he came out of his offices about 11.30, midnight, something like that. And he started waking his way out of his office through all of the secretary's cubicles and all the rest of it. And he came around the one front desk, and he looked on the edge of the desk was this stack. 
And he said it was about like this wide, about that thick, and about that high of $100 bills sitting on the edge of the desk, just sitting there. Okay? He immediately freaked out. Whoa! I mean, whoa! So he went back to his desk and got an old bag, and he went back out and he put all the money in the bag, and he went to the presidents of the, uh, the corporation's office and uh, had a, one of them swipe keys and was going to hide the money in the president's office. When he opened the office door, the president of the company was sitting in there and smiled real big, and he said, what are you doing? And he says, there's this bunch of money out on the desk, and I was bringing it in here because it had been safer. And the president looked at him and smiled and says, very well. I put it out there to see if you were honest. And he said, you know, it never even occurred to me to take that money. It was a test. Okay? Understand, where you're, if you're alive today in your mortal flesh, you are in a state of being tested. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you for your word. And Lord, I just praise you that you will keep us from temptation. You will not allow us to endure things that we are not able. And that, Father, you will deliver us from the evil one. You'll deliver us from lust of the eyes. You'll deliver us from lust of the flesh. And you'll deliver us from the pride of life. Father, I praise you for that. And Father, I pray that these precious people... Father, they'll surrender too. And they'll understand that the tests are there, but they are for our strengthening. Father, the tests are there. And yet, Lord, you and your mercy and grace have provided us the strength and wisdom to understand them. And, Father, to seek you. And not only that, Lord, the power to be more than victors. Father, I give you the thanks even now. Father, I thank you for what you've taken me through in this last year. I praise you for it. And Lord, I know that work is not done. Lord, I just pray that I for myself will draw to you first. And Father, you continue that washing as white as snow. And Father, I give you the praise even now that you've allowed me to stand this far. Father, I will rest full late on weight upon my true and faithful shepherd. Lord, I know I don't have anything. Father, I pray that these precious people will do the same. That you will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. I thank you, praise you, in Christ's name. Amen.